Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the Ocean Protect Podcast talking about the issues that face our oceans and what we can do about it. Presented by Ocean Protect, committed to change. Welcome back, Laura and Brad. Thank you, Jeremy. Hey, feeling, Laura? So great to be here. Why are we doing me up and all that beer? <laughs> can I actually start right back from the beginning? So you talked about actually uh, your visits to some remote beaches and finding it full of plastic, but obviously prior to that you were very passionate about the environment and the ocean. So take us back to a young Laura Wells. Ooh. What was what was your initial motivation for, what, what was your initial inspiration for getting uh, inspired and passionate about protecting the planet? Well, I grew up in Cronulla and mm-hmm. I um, was a member of North Cronulla Surf Club since I was five years old. So I spent a lot of time at the beach. Um, Sunday mornings that was, you know, where that was our church basically. Mm. We'd go to the beach uh, and – Compete. So that was probably my first introduction to the ocean and how incredible it is. But as a child, I was actually really afraid of animals. I really didn't like mm. them. I did not like to touch animals. Yeah. It was a big thing. But I loved biology at school, especially in high school. And I was good at it. And I really, I just loved the fact that you could learn about how our interactions affect other animals and our ecosystems and how those ecosystems influence us and what we do. And just seeing all those connections was really interesting to me and I knew that I wanted to study biology at university or some form of science anyway. Mm. And then when I got to university and I started dissecting everything under the sun, that's when I started to like animals, when I got to cut them up and check out their guts and (laughs) – Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's kind of morbid. It's like a Dexter. So you studied yeah. marine biology uh, at university, yeah? Yeah, I did that and I did a double degree. I did that and law at the same time. Was anyone else doing a double degree of marine biology and law? No, I was I was <laughs> an outlier, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, what, what was the rationale behind that? I love science, but I thought that there wasn't enough money in science. So I thought yeah. I'd do a law degree and practice environmental law or law yeah. of the sea. And then when I finished my law degree, there was no way I was going to be a lawyer. Really? I, Why is that? I Mate, have you <laughs> – yeah, that's probably the dumbest question I've ever heard. Really? Who, who likes lawyers? <laughs> Some like, people like big lawyers. You don't need – mate – Six minutes. Every six minutes, they charge you. But look, to an extent, like there's obviously, there's obviously, there's obviously. There you go. It's a Kiwi <laughs> private practice lawyers, but there's you obviously said you lawyers, Queenstown. There's obviously lawyers that obviously do work for you know various environmental groups. Oh as well. yeah, and I have friends that are lawyers, so yeah. You know. Let's not bag all lawyers. <laughs> I'm a lawyer. <laughs> but for me, I kind of knew that I couldn't really affect the change that I would yeah. want to as a lawyer. You more 
often than not get given a case and you have to work within the realms of the law for that specific case. It's not as if you can really go out and change a lot mm. of policy and legislation, yep. regulation from yep. that position. So, and I really enjoyed being outside, getting my hands dirty. Yeah. So being a lawyer and, and behind a desk was not for me. So you finished university, you and don't want to I, be a lawyer. And then I became a model instead. How's that work? You, you walk it's into, pretty, what, pretty just Because Jeremy unique. wants to know this. How do you, how do you become a model? What, what do you mean? I, I know how. <laughs> no, Jeremy fancies himself as a. I've seen a, him swishing his hair. <laughs> You've seen. Have you not seen the man bun that we run here? Come on, let's not start this. This was supposed to be a good, clean episode. Jeremy oh, likes criticizing my, my hair. Why? Because he loves it. No, I don't, mate. I no, actually he's thick and lustrous. Oh, yeah, well, Thank you, Laura. Okay, but <laughs> <laughs> Your hair is very thick and lustrous, too. So. Oh, stop <laughs> it. Jeremy, uh, I like your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> why? They're real leather, mate. That's why. <laughs> hey, he's, he wears pleather shoes. I got my vegan uh, leather shoes here. Uh, anyway, let's not talk about dress sense, but... Um, what, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> how do you be, how did you become? How did you be? Because she's hot, mate. That's how that's how models become models. It's <laughs> they go, you're hot. You want to become a model? I think that's it's basically. a little bit. The, the more funny than thing that. is, though, people can be hot but take a really shit photograph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it was definitely a learning curve. I got thrust in because he's so hot. He's totally smoking. But you're know, just in photos, uh, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, 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 I got my lots of my train of thought. I got asked to be a model, and then went to this first photo shoot that I got booked on, and I had no friggin' idea what I was doing. And I just asked the photographer for feedback, and I was like, "Just tell me what to do." And then from there, I just kind of winged it, and I right. you know faked it till I made it, and I'm still going. <laughs> they don't, they can't see through the the smoke haze <laughs> of my fakeness. Still. And where did when did you start thinking? Oh, look, I really want to do something with this platform. And we always basically doing environmental advocacy, but I guess you were probably a little bit lower profile, and yeah. no one was listening to you. Yeah. Oh. That's like you, mate. Yeah, I didn't start my social platforms until around 2012, actually just basically when I moved back to Australia. Right. And so before that I was I was educating and I was doing some school talks when I was, right. uh, was away and, and just realistically just living my life, um, reduced plastic, mm. getting out in nature and I guess subconsciously <sighs> – set any an example for other people mm. and yeah that just that caught on but then once I realized I had this platform and and I was doing more work in front of the media and and more talking and getting my hands incredibly dirty mm. uh, especially in marine plastic pollution yeah then, you know I realized that the platform was beneficial for that and I got told to separate my modeling from my environment side but one I'm too lazy to run multiple <laughs> social platforms and two why, yeah, why why separate the messaging when that is me yeah. and I can hit more people? Oh, uh, that's why you, I am Laura Wells. Oh, well, actually, to begin with, I was Laura in cold blood, just oh. like the David Attenborough episode, <laughs> Life in Cold Blood. <laughs> and then I got told that probably wasn't too friendly, so I had to yeah. just- <laughs> It's not exactly uh, sunshine and rainbows, is it? <laughs> what, 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 what's, what's yours? You're Brad the Big Deal. No, I'm Brad, De- Brad Dalrymple. Yeah, he calls, he calls himself Brad the Big Deal. <laughs> He does. No, no, just be honest. Look, 
I don't want to brag. But I've done a big deal. Well, my name is Brad Dalrymple. I, 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 by my whole well, life. How do you get that to? No, my I'm whole the- life I've never been called Brad. I've always been called BD. Uh, and when when the movie Anchorman came out and I heard this big deal reference, I was like, oh, my God. It's the, 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 the sun has sh- shined on me. I'm just calling myself the big deal. The, well, I first met Brad te- probably 10 or 11 years ago on the dance floor of a Stormwater conference. He's trying to pick me up. Sounds like a great time. Yeah, yeah. Great conference. R- r- <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, was, he, he really likes to jive, you know. Like he, he, he Born likes – to move. He, well. I've been told it's like watching a frog in mate, a blender. Mate, no one – no one <laughs> – like what? I've been told it's like watching a frog in a blender. That's exactly it. That's a really, really good analogy of your dancing. <laughs> Um, anyway, getting back to it. So, um, so the, the modelling sort of career um, obviously took off. You're travelling the world. Um, I believe you said you met your husband in New York, and then you've come back. Or you've been back here now five years, seven seven years. My math's really great. And and so now you you find yourself pretty entrenched and like you're everywhere on social media, whether it's for parlay, whether it's for, for you know heaps of other things, mm. places for July. What, what, what's next for you? I, I hear there's an expedition going on. Yeah. Next year I am sailing from Rapa Nui to Tahiti via the Pitcairn Islands with X-Expedition. And that is an all-female sailing trip around the world, and that's the leg I'm doing, the Rapa Nui to Tahiti, to uh, investigate and research plastic pollution in our oceans. That wow. is cool. That and, is cool. So how long on the boat do you think you'll be? I think our trip is for 18 days. Wow. Have you done an open passage before? I have, yeah. yeah cool. I'm really excited about it. We will be manning the boat as well and we'll be working with the uh, local communities on the ground in Rapa Nui and Tahiti to look at what they're doing around plastic pollution, looking at their infrastructure, how they stop pollution getting to the ocean as well and how they mitigate not only their plastic pollution but how they deal with their waste as mm. well. So, yeah, it should be really interesting. Lots of cool ladies on the trip. Yeah, I, I was actually talking to a um, – You wanted to go on it. <laughs> well, that's well, why – female crew. That's <laughs> why he has that hair. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was talking to a lady recently about actually um, – she was from the International Solid Waste Association and she was saying how uh, a very large portion of marine plastic is actually – coming from from land obviously um, but it's a, a big cause is actually unregulated or poorly sort of designed and implemented um, landfill or waste disposal facilities 100 percent yeah. small island nations have a huge issue mm. with their waste because mm. they're small they don't really have room for landfill mm. they don't have the infrastructure to deal with their waste and it's really costly to send their waste back mm. to mainlands I've seen that in a number of islands, especially in the South Pacific. Mm. And some islands do it really well. Mm. Lord Howe Island are doing a great job uh, dealing with their waste, shipping it back to Australia, back over to Port Macquarie. And then they have some recycling plants, like they separate everything and then they have glass crushers and different things so that they can reuse on land. And then there's some other islands, I won't name them, but burning plastic and literally bulldozing it off the side of a Mm. cliff into the ocean. Yeah, yeah. And then you you find these half-burnt pieces of plastic washing up on their beaches mm. and they're these amazingly beautiful marine ecosystems mm. and these places are celebrated for their corals and their beautiful fish and their fishing and that's what they're doing to their own space. Mm. And so I think we really need to look at what sort of infrastructure is out there, what's affordable and how we can implement it into these places to mm. really deal with it and how to make things circular. Mm. How do we get it back into the system rather than just – 
throwing it into the ocean essentially. Or ideally, uh, I guess part of the solution would be to reducing their plastic usage in the first place. Like uh, I guess historically a lot of these uh, populations would have uh, had no real exposure to plastic at all. Like uh, if they had food, they might have wrapped it in a banana leaf, for example, whereas now – and if they throw that banana leaf on the ground, it obviously decomposes and and doesn't essentially end up in our marine environment, whereas plastic is a very, very different story. Yeah, and I think um, Western tourism has a really Mm. big role to play in that, especially with us as tourists going to these countries and we go there to celebrate their beauty Mm. and their culture, yet – we expect all the conveniences yeah. of the life that we live in mm. and we fail to realise how they don't have the infrastructure that mm. we do here and we're not doing it perfectly here so no. how can we expect them to there? So reducing- well, well, So let's just go back. Let's not be around the bush. We're not doing it perfectly. We're not bloody doing it at all. We've been sending it all overseas. Mm. True. You know, like, uh, like that's why I was just Googling on my phone. Um, in New Zealand, the Fox River disaster Exactly what we're just talking about. Landfill next to an amazing river down in South Island. Uh, we've completely buggered this whole coastline. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's been international news. Like we're not even doing it properly here, let alone over in these countries like Bali. Mm. Brad and I, mm. Brad's tagging on with me. I'm <laughs> doing this. Such um, a moocher. Yeah. Such no, a we're, no, we're doing a um, Noosa Labongan on December yeah. the 12th, which is my birthday. Nice. Uh, I just came. I was just there a few okay. months ago. Well, we're doing a swim run event at the end of this year nice. um, to raise money to build a recycling uh, facility on that island. Mm. Uh, Brad's, I have to be tied to him physically. His dreams um, come true. <laughs> Isn't that already happening? <laughs> he wishes. You guys Can you see what's happening under the table? <laughs> He's playing pussies. <laughs> Not with your pleather shoes, mate. Um, but no, no, we're, so a 20K run and a 3K ocean swim. Now, Brad is a, an Australian triathlete, short course triathlete champion. I smoke and drink. <laughs> so, so, so it's going to be an interesting so one. I, you, I think you might be tethered to him then. No, <laughs> I think he'll do all right. Like me and Jeremy did a run uh, through the streets of Manly uh, recently. It was a ten k yeah, run, yeah. and Jeremy punched it out quite comfortably. And he was he would have been good for another ten k, uh, and maybe I, even another three k swim. Uh, look, I'll be I'll be fine once we get there. I've done a bit of, yeah. bit of training my time, but uh, anyway. But what, look, what, whilst whilst I guess a lot of that, like you raised the Fox River issue, and and obviously, did you know about the Fox River? Yeah, I'd had heard about it. Yeah, it is disgust. Oh, yeah. and there's remember I put you I sent you that link about um the landfills that are at risk around Australia. Yeah. Or around the world. Yeah, that that's that's why how I contact the yeah. International Solid Waste Association. Yeah, uh, yeah. lady. Yeah. It's it's a yeah. major disaster waiting to happen. But well no, it is a disaster that's actually happening. And this yeah. is my this is my point is that marine pollution, ocean plastic pollution is a massive issue. But when once we actually have a better understanding of the key causes, and to be honest, we do. And if we can create awareness around those uh, causes and then subsequently the solutions, it's a really positive news story. So the International Solid Waste Association lady, she was saying that if well, she if took they, your call. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she was saying that they're, they're basically advocating for a basically a, a whole bunch of funding to uh, implement appropriate landfill facilities at various locations, basically key polluting hotspots. It does take money uh, and resources for sure, but it's it's effective money. It's money well spent. And this is the thing that we've noticed with ocean plastic pollution. We're really good at actually uh, putting a whole bunch of resources and attention associated with cleanup. Mm. So, for example, Boyne Slat's been very successful with his um, – Hey, just on Boyne Slat, I was going to bring this up. Yep. There's Emily Penn, who's the mm-hmm. skipper, I believe. Yeah. Yep. She just got a different point of view about uh, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch because 
She believes it's going to, well, I just saw an interview on BBC. It's actually going to separate. And at the moment it's, mm. it's all together, but she's more concerned with it separating mm. and eventually hitting shorelines. Did you see that article on BBC? I didn't, but I can see how yeah. that you know could I mean? happen with yeah. different it, it, currents and also with climate change yeah. and warming, it can change different Yeah, yeah, currents. Annika Dean told us that. Yeah, too. yeah. So but my point is that we're, we're very good at actually – but doing cleanups. So uh, Boyan Slat's focusing on best base. Don't worry, I, I love Boyan. I think it's a hot, don't get me wrong. I think it's a great initiative to try and remove plastic out of the ocean environment. But the analogy that we've used previously is that if you if you walk into a kitchen in, a kitchen and your sink's overflowing and it's spilling water you over the floor. This from me, by the way. If you if you if your water's spilling over onto the floor, what do you do? You do, do you grab the mop and the bucket, or do you turn the tap off? And what we're doing currently is that we're looking at these mop and bucket approaches. You know, Boyan Slat uh, with the ocean cleanup, uh, Pete. With these seabing projects, thousands of volunteers every weekend and across Australia doing beach cleanups. Don't get me wrong; they're all fantastic initiatives and they're all part of the solution. But fundamentally, we turn need the to f- tap off. We need exactly. To, we need to turn the tap off, and that's that. That come. How do we do that? Well, we actually stop using plastic in our day to day lives. We re- reduce, reduce, how did, recycle. How did you go on plastic for July? Yeah, look. Like as you know, I live a pretty plastic, yeah, yeah. low plastic lifestyle anyway, so I don't do any single use plastic bags. Bottles. Apart from the surgery. Stra- uh, <laughs> <laughs> Straws, all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, look, it's, you know, it's pretty straightforward for me. But what, I, what I've been really surprised with and impressed, we had Rebecca Prince-Rue as a, as a mm-hmm. podcast guest who's the founder of Plastic Free July, which has only started about eight years ago. Just last year, you talk about the power of one individual – Last year, she had two million people in Australia alone doing plastic free July. Yeah, I reckon that would have been a, a lot higher. A lot higher year. this year, and and that that's just Australia. Globally, who knows how many people? But maybe she does. But that shows you the power and influence by one person living a passionate life and just doing what they want to do. How did, how did you go for plastic free July? I was pretty good, although what, a few, what gets you when I order a drink, and I'll say no straw. And then the heads put a straw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just kill them. (laughs) But I do the sneaky usually. I'll take it out, and when they're not looking, I put it back into the straw box, and then I walk away. Double dipping the straw (laughs) before you lick it or something. (laughs) Did anyone come up to say, "Major, I saw you took that straw out of your glass and you put it back in the straw container"? I I, I reckon um, because you know how you get the 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 paper ones now. They they're gonna it's gonna be an alcohol problem because for me because you know they if you, if you don't use them quickly they they sort of stuff up so you you got to get it into your next you know your three cocktails deep you know <laughs> no but I'm serious there's got to be better ones and we we had some here yeah, in the yeah. um uh, in the office and they were metal straws mm. and I and I I took one home to them I showed my mum my mum's like that's a child killer mm. right there well did I you mean, just hear about that person no. Oh. Overseas Might and it went. Need to be more to, specific. It went to, yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about that person? Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Anyway, seven point nine billion of them. Which one? So there was a woman, and she was. This is so bad. I shouldn't be laughing, but she was walking with her glass with a metal Uh-oh. straw in it, and she passed out and fell oh. onto her straw, and it went into her eye and into it. It killed her. Ah, but what? think. Think oh. about the process of that having to happen. Like yeah, yeah, everything yeah. had to align <sighs> so perfectly for her, that straw to go into her, her wow. eye and kill her. So it went to <laughs> – Subsequently, we are now no longer using metal straws <laughs> at the office. Yeah. But, again, it's about building awareness around an issue. Hey, a straw went up a, 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 a turtle's uh, nostril. We see straws in our marine environment all the time. And we're driving change. 
And, and then we sort of question what, what decisions we are making in our day-to-day life. Why do I have a straw? Why do I have a single-use plastic bottle? Hey, why, but, uh, why do I wear – yeah, what, what does Jeremy have 10,000 hair products in his... In, in his because you keep stealing all my hair products. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly why. Gonna- when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. As a conditioner, he's got a shampoo. He's got a You guys are like a married couple. (laughs) (laughs) He wishes again. Moving on, <laughs> Laura Wells. So, um, but well, obviously, well, back to the expedition. Please. Yeah, back to the expedition. So, uh, so you got three weeks on, on on a boat full of all these amazing women, cat fights. Wow. No, I've already spent three weeks on a boat with a hundred women, so it's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. And, and there's some of them are actually going around the world. So you're joining on a three week part of that. No, uh, everyone's got a, a certain leg. Oh, so right. uh, when you were selected, you could choose what leg you wanted to do mm. for the around the world journey. So mm. no one is actually going on the whole. Okay. Trip. So to say, and, yeah. And so, will people be able to? We be plugging on social media every day and be like, yeah. I think we won't have any reception for most yep. of the voyage, but we'll definitely be documenting, and that's part of it. Our trip as well to yeah, document. It's a serious buddy trip. Yeah, it's to document and you know spread that, spread the word. It's all about education and getting people understanding that we are seeing it in our own space, but it's in these far flung spaces as well that you might not know about too. Wow. And 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 what's after the boat trip? What's what's next? What's next for Laura Wells? Well, I have just taken on a new role with National Geographic, uh, oh. presenting a, a show for them. So I'll be filming what? that actually next month, going away, uh, and it's called Eco Traveler. So we'll be filming in Hawaii. Oh, fantastic! And doing some work on plastic pollution over there as well. I just feel I like. How are you coming in and talking to us and spending some time with us? I mean, exactly. <laughs> Losers. Losers. I'm doing a show for National Geographic. Oh, that's amazing. Well yeah, done. That's yeah, thank awesome. you. It was a goal of mine uh, as a science communicator to work with National Geographic. So I'm very, very happy and chuffed that I'm there and hopefully I keep the job uh, and be able to spread you know these messages from all around the world, what people are doing in these amazing places so that people, when they go and visit places, they can do the same thing, but also take those messages home and do them mm. in their everyday mm. life. Wow, a little bit. Anno- do, you, do you reckon you'll get a hard copy with Laura Wells on the on the front, like Net Geo? I mean, that well, would it'll be, be on TV. Cool. It won't be on okay. TV. So oh, right. yeah, it's a TV show. But then they'll do an interview with you afterwards, surely. I mean, that, that Are must you be jealous. But I am <laughs> jealous. Jeremy is I'm very gonna, jealous. I, I have a yellow I, border around. Yeah, my well, head. you know, Jeremy I mean? wants to be in National Geographic. He wants to be in all the magazines, and uh, well, well, I think we're on our way. To be honest, what's this? We, <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> Jesus. Um, okay, so so uh, that that's something that could potentially 
carry on and do more episodes. Yeah, yeah, know. definitely. Um, that's the plan. Yeah. And for me to inject, you know, my science and my passion into the show as well, really getting out some of the kind of hardcore, not just science, but the things that people are doing on the ground that really affect day-to-day lives. And why Hawaii? The world. Uh, that's just where the first episode is. Wow. Tough break. Yeah. Tough break. <laughs> yeah, and look, I, I can't see how you wouldn't be injecting a lot of your environmental and ocean sort of uh, passion and uh, into that show. I, I think it would just naturally happen, just like it's ha- happened with your modelling career, if you want to call it that. Yeah, I think – you know, when you, as we said before, when you do live to your purpose and your values, mm. then that comes out in everything that you do. And while I'm not trying to bombard people with it or slap them over the face yeah. with a cold trout, uh, yeah. it just it does come out naturally, and yeah. that's what I really believe in. So that's what I try to live by. What do you think about the state of uh, Australian environmental? I mean, it's we touched on it before with uh, no climate policy, but from what you see, and from state to state, and I know you've been up the Great Barrier Reef. What's the Laura Wells' opinion on on how we're going here? Right now, it's woeful. I think we have a generation in power that has been so used to doing things the same Mm. all the time and and having a very short-term view of the future uh, just about re-election. So Mm. trying not to change too much because that will affect their potential to be re-elected. But I think that we really have the potential for new young blood to come into politics just like New Zealand have done with Jacinda and I think mm. Australia really has a great platform for people to to step up to the challenge and do that and we're seeing that every day with you know even the school's climate strike mm. uh, and people marching for climate change there are a lot of passionate people out there that really want change and it will happen it might not happen as fast as we really want it to but do you, do you think we need to declare a climate emergency 100% yeah yeah we live in Australia we live in the driest inhabited continent on earth and if we're not thinking about our future and the fact that our climate is drastically changing then we're not thinking about our livelihoods and and what's going to happen in the next five to ten years mate he's from Queensland obviously you can tell his eyes are close together but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no up in Queensland about eight years ago they came out of drought well, you know what the first thing they did? The Master Builders Association lobbied government and now you no longer need a rainwater tank in Queensland for mm. any new development. Yep. Yeah, and you it's, wait till the next El Nino comes through yeah. and what? Oh, oh, shit, we should have had those rainwater oh, tanks. It's yeah. just, but, you know, that's just, it's the power of big business and big – Power yeah. of money and and, it's, and this is a thing that I think I really feel as though there's a power shift happening. Like you, you, you mentioned the example of the Where? kids. Huh? Yeah, in Aussie. Yeah, 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 I, I believe it's so. Absolutely, we're seeing this not, so, not politically, but just on the ground. Uh, I think ultimately, as Laura was indicating, ultimately will be politically. Like we're seeing this new generation, this growing awareness of environmental uh, connectivity and solutions. Uh, so you use the example of the of the kids across Australia striking for for for, for demanding immediate action on climate change. That wouldn't have happened. Uh, Greta. Without Greta, but it probably wouldn't have happened 50 years ago. No, I don't think it would have happened when I was at school. Yeah, and, and, and so that's the thing. I think like even if I go back to say 20 years ago when I was at uni learning about climate change, we we're learning about all these sort of theoretical uh, impacts of climate change, but now we're sort of we're seeing them 
like we're seeing increased severity of drought, increased uh, frequency and severity of flooding. We're seeing extremely higher numbers of extremely hot days across Australia. Like I think it's something like the hottest 10 years have been the last 11 years on record. Yeah, it's and crazy. Well, just this month, basically, yeah. we've, we've broken all the records again. Yeah, it just seems like see, if there's climate if there's climate uh, extremes or records, we're breaking them every month or every well, why, year. Why is this? Um, so my partner's um, son, Lewis, 10 years old, shout out to you, buddy. He came home the other night and we were – oh, we're just talking at the dinner table and he was talking about what he, what he, um, what he learned that day. He's getting taught about climate change. So why the hell are we teaching our kids about something that our politicians are de- denying? How does that work? Uh, it's I, interesting. I think it, it comes down to the teachers a lot of the time and what they believe in and what they want to see. So, and, and at the start of this, we said we're trying to get an ocean protect modules through every school by 2022 mm. or whatever it is. Like, mm. uh, do, do you, yeah, look, I'm, I, just a bit, I'm a bit I, flabbergasted by that and now thinking about it. It's like, well, we're approving to allow to teach our kids about climate change and then they are seeing on TV that our governments... Yeah, that our leaders aren't doing anything for it as well. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I I think that's the key thing. I don't think necessarily anymore... I don't think necessarily denying climate change is a thing and it's anthropogenic anymore. I think that's pretty much... I know what that word means now. I think it's pretty much a given. But what they're certainly not doing is doing enough, like in terms of... The fact that they're allowing new coal power stations and new coal mines in Australia uh, is, to be honest, fundamentally in on and, every and, level. And, and do you know what? There's actually do you know how many people they're actually employing in Adani? How many Australians or Dani? Yeah, I know Dani. it's a lot less than they originally like, were saying. Yeah. Like, like maybe fifteen hundred. No, no, no. Maybe oh, even not even five hundred. Oh, it's even less than what it was before. Because yeah. yeah. originally they're like, it's going to be ten thousand. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. just yeah. bullshit. And the economic impacts or the economic benefits of these projects is is minuscule relative to, to the likely um, economic impacts, and not just environmental impacts, which which are probably well established and uh, ecological impacts, climate change impacts. Just if you if all you care about is dollars and cents, this is not a good thing for the Australian economy. You know, looking at it from a strategic business point of view, it actually doesn't make any sense. Actually, first time I met you, you had uh, Adani oh. earrings on. Oh, That's yeah, right. I Stop did. Adani. Stop yes. Adani. Stop Adani. Oh, well, that didn't work, did it? It hasn't been finished yet. Yeah. I don't well, know. I mean, personally, I don't know if it's going to go through eventually, like to the end, but we'll see. I Singapore burn all their plastic pollution in a clean way. Do you know that? Yeah, they through py- pyrolysis. Yeah, yeah, and so they capture all the ga- off gassing and allow that to run their machines as well. So why can't we do that? We can. There are actually a few little places around that do it. What here in Aussie? Yeah, there's one um, that's just about to begin up in Gosford, as far as I know. There's just so many new technologies yeah. coming out here, which is great. Um, but unless government will regulate it, like just like they're doing with renewable energies, unless the government show the way, big business won't come through. But yeah, climate change is a big one. Like, and to be honest, it is a big task that's going to involve a lot of big business getting involved. And I, I think, for my mind, if you look at the probably the top three environmental issues facing the planet, it's climate change, deforestation, and ocean plastic. I honestly think ocean plastic will prob will should be the template of 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 how the other two problems will be solved. So, ocean plastic is something that people readily understand and are already sort of familiar with. Yeah, it's tangible. And you can it's see tangible. it. You and use that, it every single well, day. And that's why we changed our name to Ocean Protect. Exactly. And, and the solutions are actually readily available now. It's just a case of actually how to best implement them 
as in the in the most effective and expedient fashion. And I think once we solve the ocean plastic issue, which I th- I'm very confident we will, we'll move on to the other two issues. But I, I guess I guess ocean plastic is is I guess the template is what are we trying to do? Okay, we're trying to increase awareness and attention. Let's focus on the solutions. Let's implement those solutions with appropriate resourcing. And um, and make sure that they're actually implemented in a sustainable fashion. And then once we do that, we move on to the other two issues. Well, I think we we have solutions for all three of them. Oh, completely we're ready to go. It's ready just, to go. Yeah. You know, it, What's what, what about for number two? Veganism, deforestation. <laughs> De- you mean deforestation? No, veganism. <laughs> is that a, is that <laughs> that's a solution, not a problem? No, no, that's what I'm saying. So oh, you become no. a vegan, we stop chopping down all the trees. Oh, just look, plant well, more, mate. Eat well, meat, well, get no. stronger. Well, for example, if you talk about deforestation, the leading cause of deforestation is is clearing for 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 agriculture, yeah, predominantly grazing. So, for sure, if we reduce our meat consumption, uh, that would go a long way to minimising deforestation, one hundred percent. Have you ever tried being a vegan? Not a vegan, although I am predominantly vegetarian now, and I did I that for climate change reasons. Boom. But I'm I'm an opportunistic carnival. That's okay. Look, so I, basically, I, you see a good burger, you know. Like, heck yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, but, I, I, you know, as much as my, as I am an environmentalist, I go hunting with my husband as well. And so the first time I ate meat after two years was a deer that we had hunted ourselves. <laughs> Brad's crying. Sorry, no, I'm not. But you know, <laughs> I think you know it was the most sustainable meat that I could have eaten. Like, for, yeah, like, totally. Kill, I love killing a. Uh, sorry, uh, being involved in the consumption of an animal, a small amount of animal products every so often is is far better. Then oh what look mate yeah. even you've convinced yeah. look I yeah. I've, I am more conscious now about yeah. what I eat yeah. and having vegetarian options and but vegan like I just can't cheese yeah no. look, I, I said that before my blood runs with cheese yeah um, you know but I applaud vegans and yeah but and they shouldn't be so bloody angry they no, get a well, lot further there yeah there is a, Brad you're yeah. not this person but there I, are I stereotypes totally. of the angry vegan yeah. and vegan. even even to the point where a few years ago when we had the climate rally in Sydney. Everyone was there for climate change, mm. supporting climate change, mm. and there were literally vegans holding up signs, yelling at the people, oh, marching for climate change. Yeah. And I just – like we're all in it together yeah. and I think it's about, you know, getting people aware of the issue and reducing their consumption mm. and not everyone can go vegan and I don't actually necessarily think it is a great idea for everyone to go vegan on the planet, but definitely reducing their consumption is, yeah. Yeah. is and amazing. That, and that's, my, that's the point. Yeah, and you I, agree I, with that. I, I agree in, in most of that, but I think the key thing I'm trying to say is that if, if we fo- ocean plastic is one that everyone understands, no one can be really perfect. No one can be completely no, plastic free, but we can certainly go a long way to reducing our plastic consumption. We can certainly go a long way to actually ensuring that if we do use plastics, we try and recycle them or reuse, reuse them as best we can. Uh, and then uh, so there's a whole bunch of community activity around that um, potential problem and then there's a whole bunch of infrastructure associated with that whether it be storm treatment devices uh, reverse vending machines appropriate landfill facilities recycling infrastructure etc um, so that, that for my mind is it forms a really good template for other solutions to um, be implemented uh, based on so you talk about veganism as an example I, honestly, I agree with you I think vegans go about it the wrong way but they so they're very angry they force often force their opinions on other people they should take a leaf out of the ocean ocean plastic, um, I guess, activists in terms of what they do. They create awareness about the issue. They encourage um, uh, change. They encourage empowerment, getting people to do little things. You know, don't use plastic bags this month. Maybe reduce your single-use plastic consumption with bottles, straws, et cetera. And all of a sudden you create momentum and that that drives significant change. Well, you're empowering people yeah. to – 
and giving them solutions rather than pointing a finger at totally. them and telling them that, that they're the worst person sure, in the world. Sure, I totally and agree. no one's going to change when yep. someone's condemning them and, and blaming them. And also solutions uh, will actually happen when they're simple and convenient and they feel good. And that, for my mind, that's what actually this this ocean plastic problem actually – when we solve that problem, whether we do, do it with our reducing of our plastic consumption, whether we crowdsource a uh, galley basket, for example, or, or tell our local council member to do a better job or get involved in beach cleanup activities, that is really positive and it builds momentum and creates change. Exactly. And you're sharing the solutions with other like-minded people. Yeah. And you become part of a family really and that's that one of the best things that I've found working in this space is that I've met some of my best friends in this space and we all go about things in different ways but we've all got uh, I guess a future goal which is totally. amazing and we get to spend time outside looking after it. Well Laura Wells um, you have really surprised me and and I think this podcast has been absolutely amazing I do have a question for you Ace Bucken and Jackie Cooper have also agreed to this so we've got this goal to set up an Ocean Protect board and an independent board to distribute money. We're not quite sure how we're going to make the money first to distribute it, but we will (laughs) because it's something that we're very passionate about. If and when we set up our board, would you like to be a board? Would you you please come on and be a board member? All you've got to do is um, basically tell us where to spend cash. Oh, I can do that. I'm good at that. Done. So that's three people now. (laughs) Yes. What would happen if I said no? Well, I'd just cut that whole conversation <laughs> out. <laughs> um, but no, it's, um, because we – look, we're a for-profit company. Um, we really believe in our Ocean Protect brand and we've actually paid you know, or trademarked this all around the world and, and educa- education and advocacy. We're not quite sure of the mechanism and how it works, but we're trying to get a, a group of 10 people, independent people that are across different sectors – to really get out there and, and instead of just throwing cash at a problem, you know, go, going over to islands and putting an infrastructure in mm. and put it, you know, hot spots basically. We know from the data that's out there where these hot spots are. So that's an ambition of ours and, and um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Okay, yeah. that's three people. Yeah, so ultimately like we, we realise where like uh, storm treatment assets are part of the solution but we're only uh, uh, one part of the solution. It involves a whole bunch of different elements, a whole bunch of different people and that obviously needs – a, a whole bunch of collaboration and that's to be honest that's fun you know getting together at ocean lovers festival for example and meeting you and meeting the girls from tomer and meeting a whole bunch of really like-minded individual people all passionate all really keen to help but it's just I, I how feel, we bring that together. how we bring that together and work the most effectively so any ideas let us know yeah because um yeah, we beers are good <laughs> beers vegan ocean. cheese can be on the other table <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with all the cool people <laughs> T makes his own vegan cheese he's oh. probably already told you that <laughs> I'll make you some oh. yeah I, I want to try some <laughs> well appara- try. apparently it tastes like parmesan no look I, I make a vegan parmesan out of walnuts oh. and garlic and uh, brewer's uh, nutritional yeast it is absolutely delicious Okay. Oh, I have next, time next time you're in Brisbane, I'm I, coming I, up for EcoFest. Boom! You're in, you're invited to at my next house, month. Jeremy. Not so much. And me, me and Laura will have a beautiful dinner with some a beautiful pasta and vegan parmesan cheese. Excellent. And with that, um, <laughs> why can't I come? You can come, Jeremy. I'm well, not kidding. You're always welcome. He, does, to my he house. does a good smoothie. Jeremy yeah, always yeah. comes to my house and demands my chocolate okay. cacao uh, smoothie. It is pretty good. <laughs> You'll get one I've as well. I've got two things well. on the menu. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <basically. laughs> hey. Do I have to have it at the same time? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and a beer. Um, with that, um, thank you so much, Laura, for coming on um, our little show. We have about 2,000 listeners a month, and hopefully when we release this, we'll spike into that show. Yeah. Um, so thank you very much, and um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Ocean Protect podcast. Episodes are released weekly, and the next episode will feature part two of this chat. If you'd like to find out more about us and what we do, check us out at oceanprotect.com.au.